Awesome, awesome. I love that song. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to the book of John, chapter number 1. John, chapter 1, this morning here on the hills of Thanksgiving. It's amazing that God would have him sing that song. It's almost morning. There are some of you who need to be reminded of that. There's some of you going through some serious trials and things right now in your life and loss of loved ones and some disasters have happened and and he comes up and sings this almost morning. What a reminder. What a reminder. We, we had some time this past week to, to stop and reflect on the goodness of God. To be thankful for all that we have. To be th- thankful that, that we have clothes and, and we have a roof over our head. We have our families. We have, we have our homes. We, we have automobiles. All the materialistic possessions that we have and so we had a few days to stop and reflect on that and I don't have my glasses that's all right but I'm going to read this scripture and I'm going to need those so y'all bear with me um but but I was thinking what if it was all gone What if we had no food? What if we had no house? What if we had no clothes? What if we had no family? What if our health was failing and we were near the end? What if everything that we gave thanks for on Thursday, all the things that we looked and all the things we reflected over and all the things that passed through our minds, what if it was gone tomorrow morning? What would we still have to be thankful for? This morning our our text says here in the book of John, Chapter 1, I want to read verse number 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I want to bring a message this morning entitled, hmm, Grace is Enough. God, thank you so much, God. Lord, you've been so incredibly good to us. We have so many free, undeserved blessings that you've poured out on top of us, God. You, you, in spite of us, you've loved us. In spite of us, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us on Calvary's cross. In spite of us, you continue to bless. In spite of us, you give us family and, and all the possessions, materialistic stuff, the things of the world. In spite of us, you continue to open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings that there not be room enough to receive it. But God, I pray you'd help us to be reminded if all the materialistic things were taken away, all the possessions were gone, God, and all the stuff that we look at, the things, God, that we almost take for granted, if they were all gone, your grace is enough. God, I pray you'd take this message today, and I pray you'd help us, God. I pray you'd help us to learn something about you, and that we'd walk out reminded of how good you truly are, God. We pray above all, Lord, will you touch us, your people, and help us, God, that we'd be better servants for you, and that you receive all the praise, honor, and glory for this day. God, we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, I want to look for just a few minutes at the statement made here in the text right after the parentheses. Full of grace. That's what I want to focus on here this morning inside the parentheses. We see there that we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father. Grace is not just an attribute of God, although it is an attribute of God. Although God is grace and grace is God, it's not just an attribute. God took his grace and he wrapped him in human flesh and the word became flesh 
and dwelt among us. Grace took on a human face. The book of John here is very different from the other three gospels. The book of Matthew is believed to have been written somewhere around 50 AD. And that would have been the view of the life of Christ from this tax collector's perspective. We have the book of Mark. would have been written, of course, by John Mark. John Mark would have certainly met Jesus probably. He would have been probably a teenager uh, when Jesus came through Jerusalem. We know that John Mark was set aside in the ministry by the Apostle Paul for a season. So more than likely, most of his information we would have probably gotten from um, probably from Peter, probably from spending a lot of time there, would have gotten a lot of his learning, a lot of his teaching there. Then we look at Luke. Luke was a physician. More than likely, he also would have gotten the majority of his teaching from the words of somebody else. He would have heard a lot about the life of Christ and things that he gathered from the people around him. But John, John was of the inner circle of the disciples. John walked with the Lord Jesus Christ on a daily basis in that little close-knit group. At the point that John has been written, Matthew, Mark, and Luke have already been written. I have no doubt that John has probably read all three of those letters, probably multiple times as he looked at them. The first of these three Gospels here are called the Synoptic Gospels. Synoptical is affording a general view of the whole or principal parts of a thing. So they contain many of the same stories. They contain some of the same miracles and even some of the same teachings of Jesus. It's not three Gospels. It's not three different stories. It's just three different views of one life. Not, not three different gospels and three different things, just three views of this same story of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. All four of the gospels would have been written not in their native language, but they would have been written in Greek. Matthew was written to a, Judeus, to, to a Jewish audience, while Mark would have been written to the Romans. We look at Luke's gospel. Luke was obviously written to Theophilus. The reason we would con conclude that is if you look at the book of Acts, who he also wrote, he wrote it to Theophilus. And he said to Theophilus, he made reference to the former treatise, have I written thee? And so the former treatise would have been the former letter. That would have been the Luke's, the, the, what we call the book of Luke. Um, so we kind of gathered that it would have been written to this Greek-speaking audience. But John, John was written to everybody. The Gospel of John, obviously written in this apostle's elder years, been around 80 to 90 A.D., we look at Matthew and Luke, and they both contain a genealogy, a family tree, if you will. They tell us of the life of Christ and the descendants, and it ties us back to the beginning. And then we look at Mark. Mark obviously maybe was a little impressed with the power of Rome because we see here in the gospel how he presents Jesus Christ as the Son of God with all power and authority. But John, John coming from this inner circle, John who walked closely with Jesus Christ, who knew Jesus Christ on a close, best friend, up close and personal relationship. John doesn't spend any time in genealogies. He doesn't give us a lot of stories. He doesn't go into Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. John just goes right to the point. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. That Word means that there has never been a time when Jesus Christ was not God. Amen. It says in verse number 2, The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. That means that Jesus did not come into existence at Bethlehem. Jesus 
always was, and always will be God. He's, he's not God, Junior. He's not an afterthought. He's not an uh-oh moment for God. He's not plan B. He's not something that God came up with after Adam and Eve sinned at the garden. He is God in the flesh. Jesus Christ is grace with a face. He is 100% God, and he is 100% man who paid 100% of the cost for my sins. Grace is the free and the sovereign work of God. It is God doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. It is God's unmerited favor. It is God's gift, even though we don't deserve it. We're here this morning only because of the grace of God. We are alive this morning only because of the grace of God. Our hearts beating this morning. We are breathing in God's air only because of the grace of God. We slept on a bed under some covers in a temperature-controlled home last night under a roof only because of the grace of God. We got up this morning, we had coffee, we had juice, we had breakfast, we had whatever we desire this morning only because of the grace of God. We have clothes on our back this morning and covering to protect us from the elements and to hide what God knows everybody don't need to see anyway. We have clothes this morning only because of the grace of God. We are sitting in this temperature-controlled building with padded pews only because of the grace of God. We have the freedom to come into a place protected. Nobody's going to storm in here. Nobody's going to stop us from worshiping. Nobody's going to interrupt what's going on. We have the freedom to come to the house of God together is one to worship the living God only because of God's grace. We have nothing outside of the grace of Almighty God. We can do nothing. Grace is not earning God's favor. Grace is not persuading God that we're eligible. Grace is not doing enough to get God's attention. It's not because you went to college. A lot of people went to college. They don't, they don't have a job today. It's not because you're so holy. There's a lot of people that love the Lord who are homeless today. It's not because you're so kind. There's a whole lot of kind-hearted people that are laid up out there in the hospital right now. It is God's free, unmerited, we do not deserve it, gift. That's what grace is. When we truly realize what grace really is and what it means to us, it'll change the way we worship when we truly grasp what God's grace means to you and I, it'll change the way we praise him. Some of you are getting it. Some of you are not. Some of you are like you just lost your dog. What are you so sad about this morning? It's Sunday morning. We came to worship. Some of you look like somebody stole your breakfast or something. What are you so mean looking about? I'd mad. Y'all need to see things from my perspective every once in a while. Facial expressions say a lot. Some of you look like you probably stayed up with me and watched that LSU-Texas A&M game last night that almost never ended. Some of you look sleepy. I see some of you yawning. I done seen a couple of you checking your watch to see what time. So, man, we got some leftover turkey. We're going to go make some sandwiches as soon as we get out of this place. There's some of us who really need to change our facial expressions. But then maybe you can't. Maybe you really ain't figured out what grace is for you just yet. Maybe you don't really understand the power of God's grace. 
There's some this morning, the reason you have a look of frustration on your face is because you spent all morning trying to shove all your skeletons in the closet this morning so you could dress up and look churchy and come to the house of God. There's some of us got a worried look on our face because we worried that God might open that door and we know if he opened that door, all of our skeletons would fall out and it would reveal who we are and everybody could see it. Can I tell you something this morning? God already knows about your skeletons. He loves us in spite of the skeletons. He loves us in spite of who we are. He already knows every skeleton in the closet and he loves us anyway. Amen. God just loves us. We realize how much God loves us and what grace means to us. It's going to change some things for us. There's some of us in here, the worst sins we've ever committed was on this side of salvation. Uh-oh. Now, I, I know sin is sin. And sin is separation from God on either side of Calvary. But there's some of us that since we got saved chose sin over God. God forgave us again and again and again and again and again and again and again y'all ain't getting it just yet and again that's what grace is he didn't just forgive us at Calvary he just keeps on forgiving us because we just keep on messing up amen that is called unmerited Grace. How many of you this morning could raise your hand and praise God for some things he kept you from? The world offers all kinds of temptations, puts all kinds of stuff before us. Some of us this morning, we, we can thank God for what grace has kept us from. We, we, we weren't never hooked on drugs. We wasn't never hooked on alcohol. We, we wasn't never hooked on prescription medication. We ain't never been unfaithful to our marriage. We ain't never been hooked on pornography. I'm telling you this morning, there's some things. It's not because of you or how good you are. It's God's grace has kept you from some stuff. Anybody in here this morning thankful for some things that God has kept you from? But what about the ones that can't? What about the one that says, I've taken enough drugs, I should have been dead by now. I've done enough prescription medication, I should have lost my mind by now. I've driven drunk enough times, I ought to have been in the grave by now. Can you be thankful for what God has delivered you from? Grace has either kept you from or delivered you from all of our faults and failures, Amen. That's what grace is. Let me give you three or four things real quick that grace does for us, and then we'll go dig into some of that leftover ham and turkey. Number one, grace justifies. Jesus came to justify you and I. Even though we are guilty, Jesus came to stand in our place to take away our guilt. Romans 3.24, being justified freely... By his grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Galatians 2.21, I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Paul is saying, I don't nullify the grace of God. If righteousness is the standard, 
then Christ died in vain. The, the righteous standard of the law was too high for you and I. None of us could uphold the righteous standard of the law. I can't be justified by the law. You can't be justified by the law. Because if the law is standard, you and I both are going to fall short every time. Christ did not lower the standard. He came down low and got us to pick us up to where the standard is. He became what we are so that we might become what he is. He didn't lower the standard. He raised the standard. He just made it possible for you and I to be picked up to where the standard is. Our text says that the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, he said in chapter 2, verse number 7, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. The book of Titus, chapter 3, verse number 7 says, Being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Grace does not lower the standard. It raises the sinner. Grace justifies us. But then grace also sanctifies us. The word sanctified is to be set apart. It means to be set apart for an holy purpose. Grace separates us from the world. We're to be separate. We are to be different. The book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17 says, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Romans chapter 6, verse 1, What shall we say then? Shall, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Grace justifies, not to give us a license to sin, but to be sanctified so that we'd be different or set apart from the things of the world. I said last Sunday morning, if we truly are Christians, if we truly are a child of God, then the world ought to think we're weird. We ought to be different. We ought to talk about Jesus. We ought to pray every time somebody needs something. We ought to pray every time somebody's sick. We ought to pray every time the car breaks down. If we're low on gas and don't know if we'll make it home, we ought to pray that we'll make it to the gas station. People ought to see us as a people of prayer that trust in the almighty grace of a sovereign loving God. There ought to be something different about us. We ought to be sanctified. Being a Christian doesn't make us sinless. But it ought to make us want to sin less. It ought to make us want to try to be different. It ought to make us want to try to at least limit the amount of times that we fail God. And as long as we're living in this old tent, sometimes we're going to mess up. Sometimes we're just going to make some mistakes. But thank God that we're sinless in the eyes of God through the precious blood of Jesus. Amen. But it's grace that makes us that sinless. We know why we're here. We just keep on messing up. Grace justifies us. And grace sanctifies us. But grace also glorifies us. Second Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 12. That the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him. According to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. He justified us by grace. He sanctified us by grace. One day we're going to be glorified. Amen. It's grace that's going to glorify us. How many of you in here be honest to say, I'm not all that I ought to be? 
Thank God I'm not all that I was. But hallelujah, I ain't all that I'm going to be. Grace will glorify me. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Now, that's grace. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. We're not going to be the sons of God. We are now the sons of God, but there's more. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We will be glorified. You and I will be like Christ on that day. Amen? We live in this old tent, and this old tent's wearing out. My tent's got some wear on it. I got some leaks in this old roof. My seams is wearing out in the corners. There's wind blowing up in my tent. Some of y'all ain't never camped in an old tent before. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Some, I know some of you, some of you thinking, you're only 56 years old, man. You don't know nothing about being wore out. I know a little something. There's been some wear and tear in these 56 years of this old body. I, I know how it is to go to bed with a headache. Wake up with your shoulder aching. Knee hurting. Can't hardly get to the bathroom, which is going to be your first stop when you get up. <laughs> Sound like a bowl of Rice Krispies trying to get out of bed. Snap, crackle, popping all over the place. I, I, know, I know what some stuff's like. I, I, I know what to look all over the house for your glasses. Had them on the whole time. You go in the room, go get something. Can't remember why you went in the room. I'm telling you, there's some wear on this old tin. I, I can't hear. Tell them. Tell them. I can't hear. Can't smell. Can't see. Now, I'll I tell you this. I can see y'all now. Y'all better be good when I take these boys off. I can see out there, but right here, I can't see nothing. So I say, when I do this, y'all safe. I can't, I can't really see y'all. Y'all can get up and leave. I probably wouldn't know it. That's why I like y'all saying men every once in a while, so I know somebody's still out there. But I can see right here, and right now that's what's important. I need, I need to see right here. I know some of you is a little further along than I am. I, I know some of you have to be careful when you blow out the birthday candles. You wind up on America's Funniest Home Video. Your teeth land over in the middle of the cake. I know. Some, some of you is a little further advanced in years. We had, we had family over Thursday. Robin fixed a, Robin fixed a feast, man. We, we had all kinds of stuff to eat, and both our families was there, and we... um. Well, we got some, a couple of new recliners, and it seemed like a good time for everybody to try them out, you know, after you ate all that. We had to get two new recliners. The ones that was broken in and really comfortable, she donated them to the yard sale over at the church. I know you women going to find a way to get your way, just because they were wore out and had holes in them. So we got to talking about the new chairs, and everybody sitting in the chair, they take their turn for a little while, and somebody else came talking there comes a time... When you sit in a chair and you really like it, you go to somebody's house, you just need to go online and order that chair to be sent to your house because you remember what happened the last time you went to the furniture store. You know, you know you, there comes to a point in time you go in, and y'all know how we do, especially my age enough. We don't want no salesman messing with us. So we're going to slip around to the side. I don't need no sales pitch. I don't need no stuff. I know how to sit in a chair. I need to know what I like, don't like. That'd be, that'd be like asking for directions. You know, we don't do that stuff. We don't ask for directions because we ain't never lost. We might be sometimes momentarily displaced, but you just give us some time. 
We may not configure out all your electronics, but one thing we do know, we know north, south, east, and west. Yeah. And we know it. You, ain't, you, you may not have your service, but we know which way is north. You can put your phone up. We know which way is south. If we want to get to Florida, we just keep on going south. We ain't got to know where we're at right now. We just keep going south. Sooner or later, we get there. If we ain't figured it out by the time we get to a whole bunch of water, we'll work out the details then. We, we ain't much on asking for directions. We go in and find a spot and get to look at some chairs. We'll make sure it don't no salesman bother us. And you, and you, boy, that was nice and soft till you sat down in that thing. You feel like you're about two inches off the ground. Y'all you know what I'm talking about? And, and I know some of you's already in that spot where you got to rock three or four times to get up off a hard chair. Now you done got down one, you can't get up. You get to rocking, trying to get out of that thing and look, and somebody's over there looking at you, so you get to bobbing your head like you're listening to the music. <laughs> you don't want them to know you really can't get out of this thing. <laughs> Finally, they go on, mind their own business like they ought to, and look around, ain't nobody else looking, so you get to sliding all down in that thing, trying to get your backside far enough, get rolled over and drop one knee down to the floor. Finally get turned around on your knees, got your hands in the chair, like, whew. I got to rest a minute now so I can get up. By that time, somebody says, can I help you? The salesman, he done found you. Brother Terry, don't go out now. <laughs> Sit back down. You, you, salesman done found you. You know, that's when we get all spiritual with our answer. I don't need no help. I'm just praying about this chair. <laughs> this ain't the right one. But while you're there, you can help me get up. All this praying done got my knees to hurt. <laughs> oh. All, all I'm telling you is these old tents are wearing out. There, there's some of you in the younger crowd, you're having fun at some of our expense. Your time's coming. If God is as gracious to you as he's been to us, your time's coming. Right now, we, we laugh about it, but we're laughing at ourselves. Well, there's just some leaks in this old building, amen? One day, I'm going to have a glorified body. My soul is going to move out of this old tent. I'm going to move into a place not made with hands. <laughs> I'm going to be like Jesus. There ain't going to be no more headaches, shoulder aches. I tried putting it off from before that ball game Friday night all the way to lunch Saturday, but finally I gave in. I had to have some Advil. I couldn't put up that old headache no longer. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We want to be tough, but sooner or later we just have to give in. There's a day coming when Advil will be out of business. I'll be a glorified body. I have an eternal home. But while we're in this old house, while we're in this old house, there's some maintenance got to be done. Amen. We still got to keep some stuff up. Matter of fact, some of you do so much maintenance, you see your friends, your old friends every week over at the doctor's office. There's a lot of you. I, I'm not going to get you to raise your hand. I don't even want to know. I don't want to embarrass. There's a lot of you. Y'all still get the newspaper just because you always did. It, it don't matter that you can get it on your phone. You ain't got time for all that technology. You ain't fooling with that stuff. See, I'm kind of caught in that middle stuff. I got to try to kind of catch on over here with some of this new stuff that I don't understand. But I still understand the newspaper, but everybody laughs if I get it. So, well, that might be one of them skeletons in the closet. We won't talk about that. I, I know what it's like to have the newspaper. You don't just want to read the stuff. You know, some of you got to have it because what you wrap your Christmas gifts in. And, and I know, I know, I, I grew up with the newspaper. You open that thing first, you don't know what the weather's going to be this week. You want to know about Thursday night, you're going to go ahead and read the paper right now and decide whether or not you're coming to the parade Thursday night. I'll go ahead and tell you the weather's going to be beautiful. Just be there. It's going to be a beautiful night. We're going to pray about it make sure that God's there. It'll be just like Judgment Journey. There won't be no rain allowed on that night. Amen? Yeah, you, you get through reading the weather, then you turn over to the sports section. 
because you couldn't stay up last night to watch that LSU Texas and you fell asleep somewhere, you don't know who won. Does it really matter? Okay, Texas A&M won. <laughs> I can tell you this, the seventh overtime, this one was going to bed right here. I texted my daddy. I said, after this play, I'm going to bed. I don't care who wins. I can't take it no more. But that was the end of it. I, I guess I never give up on them. But, but then, then you know you got to turn over and you got to read the comic sections. Y'all know you got to read Beetle Bailey. Dennis the Menace. Dagwood and Blondie. You know, you got to read them. You, you, might, you might hit some Wall Street, and that's the way it used to be. Now, you still get the paper because you always got it, but now you go straight to the obituaries. <laughs> you you want to know how many people you know in there, but that ain't the most important thing. I know I've done it myself. How many people in there are old, or, or younger than I am? It, we, we begin in that. All I'm telling you is this old tent is wearing out. This old body is wearing out. All of these things are a result of sin. And none of us are above sin. Well, those of you in the balcony, you might be. But sooner or later, you've got to come down where the rest of us are. If you want to get home, you can't stay up there forever. Sin, sin is wearing on this old mortal flesh, wearing on these old mortal bodies. But when we see him, grace glorifies us. When we see him, we shall be like him. We started out as an old piece of trash, but he's working on us. He's shaping us into his image. He's molding and making us every day. He's putting us through some stuff to try to change us and make us better. He's making us into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we're not what we used to be, then right now when the world sees us, if we truly are sanctified and set apart, the world ought to see Christ in us. The world ought to see Christ through us. They ought to see the love of God pouring out in us. We got to want to make a difference in this world. We're going to change this community by loving them. Not by any other way. You can't dun them. You can't down them. You can't throw rocks at them. You want to change a lost and dying world? They got to see the love of Jesus Christ in us. Amen. Grace glorifies us. I got a minute left. Let me go ahead and give you this one. For those, for those of us that are Christians, for those that are walking with Christ, grace satisfies. Grace is enough. Grace can put a smile on your face when everything else is falling apart. Psalm 7, 17 says, I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness. And I will sing praise to the name of the Lord most high. This week on Adrian Rogers, back in one of the earlier um, Love Worth Finding, one of the things earlier in the week, it was entitled, Happiness is a Choice. He said that a man spoke to a beggar. He told the beggar, he said, well, I hope you have a good day. And he said, well, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. But I've never had a bad one. The man said, well, in that case, may God give you a happy life. The beggar said, well, thank you again, sir. But I've never been unhappy. The man was taken back by the beggar's answers, looking at his condition and obviously where he's at. So the beggar went on. And he said, when I have plenty to eat, I thank God. And when I'm hungry and have nothing, I thank God. He said, if it is God's will for me to endure something, then I thank God because whatever God's will is for my life, that's what makes me happy. You want to know why some of us are so unhappy? Because we face all of our joy. We, we, we plan it all on materialistic stuff. Somebody else's 
got a Ferrari. You ought to thank God for your Volkswagen because a lot of people's walking. Sitting in this building, we're in the top 1% of the wealthiest people on this planet. That's a fact. That's a fact. Look it up. Google's there for you. Research. Study it. We, we own homes. We own cars. You're in the top 1% of this entire world. Seven and a half billion people have less than you and I do today. Yet we find ourselves complaining because we don't have what Donald Trump's got. We don't have what Bill Gates has got. We don't have what Ted Turner's got. I got news for you. If Ted Turner don't change, I don't want what he's got to go where he's going to go. Mm. That money won't cool hell off one degree. It's all about Christ. It's all about grace. When we truly realize what grace does for you and I, when we truly realize what it is that, that grace gives us, we, we, sh we should never have another bad day. There's no reason for the child of God to have a bad day if you're truly focused on what grace really is doing. And if God is allowing it in your life, then that means he's working on you. That means he's shaping and molding us into something better. When Jesus Christ came to Bethlehem, grace took on a face. And if you and I are children of God, then our face ought to take on his grace. People ought to see it in us. Amen. Could I have you stand this morning? I'll tell you what I want to do. To as many of you as will, I want to take a few minutes to come thank God for amazing grace this morning. I want us to come thank God that if all the materialistic stuff we had was gone tomorrow morning, God's grace is sufficient. It is grace that will see us through. It's grace that saved us. It's grace that keeps us. It's grace that justifies us. It's grace that sanctifies us. It's grace that will satisfy us. Amen. When we place our faith in God's grace, we can always be satisfied. No matter what's going on in the world around us. I want to I ask you if you could, those of you that are going to stay there in your pews and pray. That's okay. You can pray from anywhere. I want to ask you if you make sure you got your heads bowed, eyes closed, and nobody's looking around this morning. I want to ask all of you to be praying. I want you first off and foremost to spend a lot of time thanking God for His grace thanking God for His goodness thanking God for His mercy but the first thing I want you to ask God for this morning after a season of thankfulness after our Father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name after you've hallowed the name of God and you've asked that thy kingdom come thy will be done well, thy kingdom come thy will be done is that lost sinners be saved the first thing I want you to ask God for this morning, Lord, if there's anybody in here this morning that's never trusted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, may your Holy Spirit draw them today. May they be saved today. May it be our prayer that nobody walks out of this building lost and on their way to a devil's hell. Jesus Christ died at Calvary's cross to give us a right to go to heaven through the blood of Jesus. Not by ours, but by His. If anybody goes to hell, it'll be by their own choice because they rejected the free gift that God has offered. Christians be praying that if there's anybody lost today, today they'd be saved. And if that person's you, if there's anybody in here this morning, you say, man, I, I want to be saved, but I'm just not sure. I want to go to heaven when I die, but I'm just not sure. I can tell you that Jesus said, I am the way. The way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He's the only way. None other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. Jesus Christ is the way. There is no other. I don't care what Hollywood tells you. 
care what Oprah tells you. All that matters is what the Word of God tells you. Jesus Christ is the way. Are you willing to trust Christ as your personal Lord and Savior this morning? First and foremost, you need forgiveness of your sins. In order to get that, you've got to confess them. Are you willing to say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. And I'm asking you to come into my heart this morning. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and save my soul in Jesus' name. 